All right, everyone. Welcome to another Learn Easy Cast, um, episode nine. Hello, Rico. How's life in Denver, Colorado? Doing as well as I think I can be, Pat. You know, given all that's happened, 2020, we finally got into the end of the year, to the holiday season, just celebrating Christmas. Yeah, uh, getting ready for, for New Year's Eve and, and New Year's Day, and uh, it's definitely been a very different feel than than normal. Yeah, and we got a early Christmas present in a way. Uh, is it the same for you? I guess in the news, uh, uh, we've gotten news that the vaccine for the coronavirus is uh, going to be distributed and uh, and is already on its way in parts of the world. Uh, and it's arrived at least here in Germany, and uh, the first patients have gotten it already. Um, is it the same for you in uh, Denver and uh, generally in the U.S.? Yeah, I can't speak to specifically in Denver. I mean, I just hear in the news, I think, today that over 2 million people have uh, been vaccinated, or at least the first dose. I know it's a two-step a two, uh, vaccine. You have to go get the first vaccine shot and then the second i think i don't know three or four weeks later if I'm not yeah mistaken. i've heard that or even maybe even earlier than that maybe a couple weeks later you know so okay. that you can get it because uh i but, i just heard something from my uh girlfriend uli uh, and she had to get her parents who are both over 80 uh oh. scheduled to be vaccinated and it was really interesting to hear that um they would be um they'd have to get on to a schedule, uh, not from their own personal doctor, but uh, another official government entity that, that is setting up uh, an online scheduling system uh, it, to record all the people's names that want to get vaccinated early. And, and you have to meet certain um, requirements in terms of age requirements and medical history and so on, yeah. Well, it sounds like there's a real concerted effort and a real rollout plan. I don't know that that same level of detail or systematic approach is in play here in the United States. But overall, I just want to say I think it's just really enlightening for me and just on a, on a hopeful note to know that this is, it's finally arrived. I know there are others that are in the works of being able to be approved to then be able to be used as vaccines as well. But, you know, it's, it's definitely not been the, you know, holiday special uh, season that you would normally expect, you know, um, but yeah. nonetheless, uh, it's here and I'm just trying to enjoy it while, while, while we're in the season. Yeah. Talking about what's on our mind. Um, uh, did anything change for you this holiday season? I mean, I'm sure a lot has changed because of, uh, COVID-19, but, uh, um, were you able to, uh, socially distance with your relatives and so on? Did you have to make some tough choices about who you could visit and who you couldn't? Yeah, we, I mean, you know, I think it is really tough to socially distance uh, properly. I, I don't know how well people are doing with that whenever you get together in a small group setting or a larger group setting, how effectively you can do that really, especially if, you're, if there's eating involved. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I've, I've had to make some tough choices, you know, I've seen very few people and, um, we did a gift exchange. We've been doing gift exchanges so that you basically have to buy one gift versus buying smaller, less expensive items for everyone, which I think has many, many added benefits and values. But doing a gift exchange un unboxing video, if you will, online wow. versus in person uh, certainly 
is is kind of apropos, I guess, given all that's happening and, and keeping that social distance. That's but, cool. uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's 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 not certainly um, the best way to celebrate, but I think it's better than nothing. I think uh, you know, having the ability to do online video chat uh, it, at least uh, makes it better than just a phone call. Oh wow! So was it a Secret Santa kind of thing, Rico? That, that's uh, that's a nice one where you're kind of yeah. surprised <laughs> about which relative yeah, so got you what. Yeah. yeah, you basically set a budget of what you want to pay uh, per person, so forty or fifty dollars or more depending on your family situation and you basically you know draw a name and then you know it's, we have about eight people on one side of the family and about 10 on the other side and uh so you know you get a name and you know you can even set it so that the name that you draw isn't going to be like your partner or you know somebody in your immediate household to make it a little bit more interesting oh that's cool uh, and then you can create, you can create a wish list online and the person who draws your name can either you know honor your list or get you something different right there's no real hard rules, uh, hard and fast rules is more just like a way to offset the stress of the expense of having to buy multiple gifts and just focusing on one person and a nicer gift versus many gifts that are of lesser value. I love that, Rico. Uh, I'll have to remember that next time. Uh, to be honest, I was a little lazy and uh, just got everybody gift certificates from uh, local stores that needed a little bit of help from a local uh, website. That, that, and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that you know, if you can ever, whenever you can, support local mom and pop small businesses. That's the heart, you know, and soul of our economy here in the United States, and I'm sure maybe even in in Europe and Germany as well. You know, you've got to support people who have had long-standing businesses. And I think rather than just giving our money to large corporations, the Amazons of the world, if you will, I think it's okay to support those smaller companies too. So that's good yeah. to hear. Yeah, that's a good point, Rico. Yeah, I have to give a shout out to Locala Matador DE or Locala Matador.de. <laughs> they were great help in picking local shops in Freiburg that would be nice for my family um, and friends to go to to uh, uh, shop at, uh, knowing that, you know, I wouldn't be able to see them all uh, in person. So that, that was a, a great help. And, uh, I appreciate that there was a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit behind that website to, to connect to all these small businesses and get them onto one page to make it easier for, uh, lazy shoppers like me. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the advent of technology, right? There's always, uh, some positives that come out of things in a way. So, you know, a lot of people who are late to getting their gifts, as well as people who want to support certain types of establishments. And I think it's, that's the fun part in learning about what's happening in different places, right? And I think that um, what I've learned during this pandemic is that, you know, unfortunately in this country, the wealth distribution has only gotten worse. And so I think it just really gives me a lot of pause to continue to support larger companies just because it's faster and cheaper. Mm -hmm. What are the, you know, what are the adverse uh, effects of that, right? How can we, you know, have a little bit more, uh, you know, equality in society. I think it's about, you know, supporting smaller businesses wherever possible, even if that means pay, paying just a little bit more or having to wait a little bit longer to get your goods. Um, I, I think that's okay. Oh, good. Good point, Rico. Uh, I guess now I'd like to kind of move on to our new segment. Uh, uh, what's life really like? Um, um, what life's like comparing, you know, how things are where I am in Germany and to where uh, Rico is in Colorado. And uh, and something came up um, 
the school year was cut short in Germany in a very abrupt way to, to make sure that the lockdown was uh, made into something that was really, you know, really a closing of all social contact or as much social contact as possible, even for the young um, young people, for kids and so on, and how hard that would be for them. And uh, I wanted to ask you, Rico, did, did that also occur for you, for the folks in in uh, the U.S., or at least particularly where you are in uh, Colorado and Denver, did they shut the schools yeah. down early as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, in the United States, the real challenge, of course, is that everything is done on a local level, right? So whether it's on the state level or the municipal level, school district level, it's it, what's happening in one state or one city can differ vastly uh, from another city or state or a district, you know, and in working in the field of education and training teachers, I've seen a wide range of things. But yeah, it's definitely upended schools in a, in a wide variety of ways. I know sc some schools have closed earlier, just gone to completely online learning. Uh, others, depending upon which state you're in and the political persuasion of those states uh, might have more in-person options. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been something that's really impacted students. I, I, I feel really bad for a lot of students, especially you know because these two years, these two academic years that are straddling the pandemic, I, I think, they're going to have long-lasting effects that are going to go well beyond this pandemic. And unfortunately, I think many of those effects will be negative on, I think, students and teachers alike. But that's something that's definitely happened here in the U.S. Wow, that's a, a tough uh, situation in my mind. When you think about uh, the long-term effects, uh, those things uh, are not easy to measure. And we won't be able to really see... Uh, the damage that was done, you know, as you said, uh, for a long, long time. But, you know, we have a lot of talented teachers and I'm sure they've done their best to keep the students at least uh, motivated and prepared. And uh, I'm hoping oh, that yeah. that will lead to a positive outcome. Yes. Well, I think that's just it. I think that, you know, whenever there's a crisis, there's an opportunity mm -hmm. for growth, for new, new development of, of tools and, and, and strategies to handle the, the challenges. And I think that clearly there's a need for better online learning technologies. Um, even at my own company where I work, I, I think we see that there's a need to roll out more ways to engage students who are not physically pre present in schools. And so, you know, it's easy to kind of like knock what's happening and, you know, saying school districts aren't prepared, schools aren't prepared. But to your point, I think teachers have done really well given the situation that they were presented with. Um, you know, I think, you know, a lot has been made of these frontline workers, of course, you know, putting themselves at risk every day, uh, nurses and doctors and other healthcare providers, but I think teachers themselves as well, in many ways, are kind of like those, you know, frontline workers dealing with uh, a lot of the younger children who are many, in many cases, have been in school um, and haven't had their classes interrupted in the same way the older students have. But, you know, don't want to get too negative here. I think that just the, the real impact is just that the pandemic has had some real key differences, right, on, 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 way things normally would be um, compared to how they are now. Yeah, and uh, when I think about it, uh, the, one of the most uh, influential um, people of this year uh, is a teenager herself, right? Greta Thunberg, right? And, and she's the one who's been recommending that kids go on strike from school to be able to make uh, others aware of the uh, global crisis that we're going through when it comes to climate change, right? Uh, but that kind of leadership, you know, 
you don't see from many teenagers uh, if it's not for yeah, uh, the, her great teachers who probably influenced her to think in, in that way and to think about the global consequences of, of your actions, right? Yeah, and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, like you said, there's a lot of hope there that um, in spite of this uh, crisis that was created, okay, may, maybe by our own doing, you know, by encroaching on uh, natural habitats that should never be uh, touched, uh, that um, we have uh, great educators that will help the, these young people make it through. And, uh, and that's my way to segueing to our experts corner. Um, and um, I guess uh, I will uh, let uh, us move on to the experts corner uh, right at this point. Okay. Yeah, looking forward to our next experts. So uh, we hope you enjoy the interview. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, welcome back to our Experts Corner, where we interview experts from around the world. And today, I have the pleasure of introducing Neha Basnet, um, and she holds a Master in Development Studies with a specialization in Human Rights from International Institute of Social Studies, ISS, of Erasmus University, Rotterdam. She has worked with youth and youth-based organizations for many years, building young people's capacities for effective leadership and participation. After her master's studies, she worked as a part-time tutor in the International Center for Academics and as a freelance research consultant in Nepal and in the Netherlands. She also worked as a lecturer at Kathmandu University of Social Sciences. Currently, she is pursuing her PhD in youth studies at the University of, of Groningen. I think it's pronounced Groningen in Dutch, I believe. Um, along with that, she provides two specific educational courses on research methodology and monitoring and evaluation. Um, how are you doing today, Neha? I'm good, thank you so much, Rico. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, you know, we're happy to have you today and um, we're just gonna jump right into questions if that's okay. Yeah, sure. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just curious, how many languages uh, do you speak? I speak, okay, my mother tongue, Nepali, and then I English, oh, and then I also have fair knowledge of uh, French. Mm -hmm. Then I also know Hindi, Urdu, that is spoken in India. Ooh, okay. And also in Pakistan, yeah. Very impressive. We always like to ask just because as this, as this podcast has a focus on language, it's always nice to know right. our, our guests' uh, linguistic ability. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's quite impressive, Aneha. Um, and thank you so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm also curious, uh, living in the Netherlands, do you have to uh, always switch or um, yeah, do you only speak English um, in the Netherlands or are you learning Dutch as well? Uh, well, uh, for me, uh, I really um, didn't have to learn Dutch, but I'm planning to in future if I'm uh, planning to stay here and work here um, Trying to learn the language uh, is important to understand people and their culture. So, uh, yeah. But so far, I, I, I only speak English, and uh, everybody here only speak English. Understood. And so, um, in your bio, you know, I mentioned that um, you provide two specific educational courses on uh, research methodology and monitoring and evaluation. And so, I was just curious, you know, what, what can students expect from these two courses? 
Okay, uh, so from the first course, that is the research methodology, I'm trying to um, provide a basic course on qualitative and quantitative approaches. Uh, so these course, uh, I mean, this one is basically to learn uh, how to use a different methods in uh, research design and what kind of uh, sampling do we need, population, data analysis techniques, and um, how to analyze uh, those data from two different approaches. And, um, and I will also explain what kind of research approaches would be better for the questions and the research design they have. Okay. So yes, it's basically about that. And monitoring and evaluation is a very specialized course where uh, an individual, either professionals or students, uh, still could learn about how to use the monitoring and evaluation technique to evaluate and assess different programs and projects that are being implemented by organizations, for example, UN or UNHCR, they have different programs, interventions that are being implemented on different countries. And at the end of their programs, they always try to evaluate the impact of those uh, programs and interventions. Um, so monitoring and evaluation is specifically for those people who are interested in uh, working with the different organizations and try to gain the skills of uh, trying to know the impact uh, of uh, and evaluate the interventions and programs. So it's a bit different. Of course, the, uh, the basic is uh, qualitative and quantitative approaches, but then the, the um, um, the way that monitoring and evaluation uh, works is a bit different than what we learn with the basic qualitative and quantitative approaches. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and so then with uh, monitoring and evaluation specifically, oh, what, what, what uh, um, you, you kind of already outlined what students can take away from it. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything like really uh, specific uh, uh, in terms of what you think will be a goal for them if, when they come out of the course uh, that they should be able to do um, based on that course? Yes, with the first course, they would be able to uh, um, analyze uh, what kind of research approaches or technique they will require for specific sets of questionnaires okay. or research questions. And with the monitoring and evaluation, it's basically to provide uh, people with skills to become a monitoring and evaluation officer or become a consultant okay. uh, where you provide those services to different organizations independently. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you've touched on, of course, you know, your, your background and, and, and things of that nature, but, you know, where can students implement these learned skills? You mentioned they could be consultants and working with organizations, but is there a specific type of industry perhaps, or the industry that you find that these students would probably most likely find work in? Yes, with the basic course, with the, the quant and qual approaches, you can work in various sectors, uh, different organizations. They require people with uh, those kind of skills where you have a background with data and working with data. And big data is a, a thing these days. So these basic knowledge will be very much uh, how do you say it's uh, valuable uh, or it will add upon to what uh, they will learn in future. And uh, also, I mean, it's not only for uh, uh, people who are still uh, studying or who are still at the universities. Uh, 
Okay. It could be also for professionals who have uh, only qualitative background and they want to learn quant, the basic uh, principles of uh, quantitative approach, which might uh, provide them some additional skills in, in their work and build up their career in wherever whichever sectors they are in. It could be in um, um, industry or uh, also in organizations. You can apply those skills anywhere. So, it's, so it sounds like, you know, it, it's pretty broad in, 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 re, in regards to where one might want to work. It, it's really about the skills that you gain, and then you can kind of try to find that match of your, maybe your own personal interest professionally, uh, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's interesting uh, for me uh, to think about the, um, the difference between what you're providing and other um, providers uh, is there anything specific that you feel like you you bring uh, I mean every teacher brings something that's unique mm -hmm. you know to the courses mm -hmm. that they teach but is there something that you particularly want to um, uh, speak about that 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 is special about the course you know that that um, in comparison to others uh, well, in comparison to others, I think uh, with me, they will be also able to learn how to use uh, softwares, for example, Atlas, Atlas TI, that, that is what I know so far, yeah. and, uh, and also SPSS, if they want to learn further and okay. also analyze their data with those softwares. Mm. So that is an additional advantage, which uh, other courses do not provide you until you are in their um, course enroll full time, or uh, you ask them to provide specific course on that how to use those software. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and that's a huge plus. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I just had a follow up question. I just, just well, not really follow up, but just out of curiosity, you're pursuing your PhD in youth studies. Is okay. there a particular uh, facet within that that you are particularly particularly um, interested in? Mm -hmm. uh, well. I, I grew up in a in a conflict zone area, so um, my my childhood and my um, let's say youthhood, I would say. So I have seen a lot of uh, conflict and uh, a lot of young people being used for those uh, wars and atrocities, and and but those were mainly for political interest. There was nothing for the young people, and their future was really really dark. So it always uh, motivated me because because I can say that I'm from a privileged background. I I, I got the opportunity to go to a school that is that again private school, English boarding school, but not everyone in Nepal got the opportunity to do that. And I was always um, uh, interested and and looking forward to something that I can help them with. So I work mainly on youth-based organization, youth-led organization, trying to encourage youth and motivate youth to understand them and, how, and look for opportunities how to help them. So that's how I build up my career in uh, youth-based uh, work, and uh, I have experiences in that. Then um, while studying, um, uh, like when I was in my master, I also developed an interest to... I do a PhD because I understand that, okay, you can work as a youth, as a youth-led organization or in a program officer in different organization, but then you really don't get the opportunity to voice out your opinions and, and take actions, right? So I thought, okay, maybe I should do something where, I be, where I'll be able to uh, 
uh, influence the policymakers. So that's how my interest in uh, PhD, specifically in youth studies, uh, grew. That's so very that's how yeah, that's very nice. Uh, so, so you're really trying to make a difference uh, uh, for the future, of, right. of uh, yeah, that, and and that's part of um, um, your project, uh, um, reconsultants.com, right? Yeah. Um, th th where others can find more information about um, um, the work that you're doing um, in terms of helping the youth of of Nepal, but. Uh, uh, but also globally, I globally, mean, yeah. it's not uh, specifically uh, from for Nepal. Of course, I, I am from Nepal, and it's very obvious that I have worked and have experience in Nepalese context. Yep. But uh, since I have been working with uh, global human rights defense, I have got the opportunity to work with people from um, different countries. Oh, wonderful. And okay. um, yeah, so it's not only for Nepalese, of course. Yeah globally okay very nice okay yeah. so um rico is there anything else we want to cover with neha before we close our experts corner for the for today it was really nice to to meet you and of course learn, learn about your work and I, I i am very much uh you know a big believer of working with the youth and empowering them and, and, and convincing them to believe in themselves and to educate themselves for a better future obviously um Many of us are born with more opportunities than others, but I, I just really value the work that you're doing. And it's been a pleasure interviewing you today. So thank you for, for thank coming. Thank you so here. much. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to interview with you and yeah. look forward to our work together. Yeah, yes, yes. Learn Easy is looking forward to partnering with you, Neha. And and yeah, we'll, yeah it'll be a, a great opportunity for all of us uh, to, to promote the work that you're doing. Cause I think, uh, yeah, we need more people like you, of course. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Neha. Okay, bye. Good day. Bye-bye. Okay, that was our experts corner. Uh, Rico, uh, how did you like that uh, interview with Neha Basnet? Our, uh, yeah, I think. Well, our I always love interviewing people. Yeah, yep. I always love interviewing people who are from you know different uh, countries. You know, obviously, um, you know her own background is very interesting. She faced quite a few challenges in her home country, and mm -hmm. I think that's led her, of course, to working with youth. And I think just kind of you know bringing it full circle about the challenge that we've all been faced with during the pandemic, right? Regardless of where you come from, who you are, we've all been impacted by this uh, pandemic. And it's really nice to see people doing really great work and just showing that whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's a challenge, we can arrive, uh, we can uh, rise to the challenge and, and still have a lot of success. So I, I really enjoyed that interview quite a bit. Oh, that's great. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. For me as well, um, it was a very informative uh, conversation. And I'm looking forward to partnering with her on her research methodologies, uh, as well as um, um, monitoring and evaluation courses. Yeah, hopefully uh, you'll see those courses come up on Learn Easy in the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully not, it won't take too long for us to set up those courses. And please visit Neha's website, readconsultant.com. Uh, so that's read-consultant.com to get more information about her work uh, and uh, and her work with youth in Nepal and all, all over the world, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think yeah. that's it for us. Uh, so please keep learning easy. Uh, Enrico, I'll see you next time, huh? See you next time, Pat.
And now, a couple of Learn Easy Cast outtakes. Or record. All right, we're recording. Okay. Yep. Okay. Welcome to another right. Learn Easy Cast. Sorry, I had to clear my throat, man, so I don't want that to do Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, let's get all the, the burps out. <laughs> Okay, all right. Recording. Okay, I stopped it. Did I? All right. Did I stop it in time? I'm no. still recording.